Investor Creator teaches both seasoned and new investors how to buy the right houses at the right price anytime you want. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a sustainable six or seven figure investing business that changes your life without sacrificing your freedom? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. All of this information is 100% free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Investor Creator, where I tell you the truth about what it takes to become a high-level seven-figure real estate investor. Guys, I'm super excited for today because today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite, favorite things, and that is subject to investing. And so for those of you who do not understand what that means, and we're going to definitely get into that. But first, I want to talk about the deal of the day, and it's something that's going to be kind of a segue into what we're talking about. So we had a transaction earlier, I guess it was like middle of last week. And this lady calls in and she says, Hey, you know, I'm four days away from getting foreclosed on. And, you know, we're obviously sympathetic to that. And she says, Well, here's kind of the numbers. So the numbers were 57,000 were on the mortgage. She owed 6,000 in arrears. So I have to assume she hadn't paid the mortgage in about a year and she wanted $2,000. So this was a big house in an area that I was not super excited to invest in. So what we decided to do on this was to assign it off. I'm not a big wholesale guy. I'm not a big assigner, but on deals that I just personally don't want, we'll just sell it off, assign it. That's what we did on this. So what happened was we got a wire for $5,000 on this deal that we were not going to personally take down anyway. And so we made a little bit of money, but here's kind of where the, the deal gets really, really interesting. This seller gets kind of squirrely. So the $57,000 we bought subject to, and she gets kind of squirrely because she's concerned about this mortgage remaining in her name. And so my acquisition team calls the bank and says, hey, you know, Mr. Banker, this is what we're doing. You know, we're an investor. We're assigning our contract. We're buying this deal subject to. Do you want us to wire the catch up or not? And this is where it gets super fun because the banker says, oh, yes. You know, we have had quite a few deals done this way, and we know that investors are doing these. And, you know, we're, we can't say on record that we're super happy about it, but we can't necessarily say that we're not either. This is where my acquisition team really just knocked it out of the park. So my main guy, Tony, he said to the banker, he said, Mr. Banker, why don't you just call our seller and tell her this is what the deal is, and we've done this before, and we're okay with it. And the banker said, hey, no problem. So here we have a banker on an underlying mortgage calling our seller, telling them that she has complete permission and should go forward with the deal that is bought subject to that lien. And I've had some feathers in my cap in my career. That's probably one of the top 10 because I've never had a bank call my seller to tell them that they should allow us or our assignee to take over payments. And so that was just super fun. That's a super great segue to jump into subject to investing, which is what I want to do today. What's the pros? What's the cons? How do we do it? How do we structure and all of that? But before we go into that, I do want to go over a little bit of housekeeping. So about, I don't know, 10 days ago, we entered into the top 100 business podcasts on iTunes. And I just want to say thank you for that, because I've gotten some messages from people across the country with questions and people that are just saying like, hey, I appreciate the podcast and what you're doing. And it seems like the message is resonating. 
And I just want to say completely, I appreciate you guys 100%. You know, what we're trying to do is make the industry better in every way. So what I don't want are people that are gurus teaching the wrong thing or people that are teaching bad ethics and all that. I just can't stand for that. And so that's why we're here. You know, if you want to go over that in detail, we can go over in episode one. I go over that at length. And I don't necessarily think that right now is, is the time or place to do so. We're going to move on. But just realize that I appreciate you guys that are listening to this and I hear what you're saying. So I appreciate you guys. We're going to make the top 50, I would imagine, in the next couple of weeks. And that is a big, big thing for us, especially being a new podcast. You know, this is something that I never thought that we would go this far this quick. I knew we would get there at one point, but not like a month later. So moving on. What is subject to? And I think the best way to illustrate this is probably just to kind of go over a deal. So I've got two deals recently that we've done or that we're working on that um, would illustrate this pretty well. Whenever I say we're buying something subject to, so this is always whenever there is, is some kind of a lien position on a deed. All right. So there's a house and with every house you have a title. So you have a title that is like a chain of who owned what, when, and how much was owed. And then you have a deed, which is what is given to us. And that's the ownership instrument is the deed. So with that, let's go over a basic subject to deal. So in the last episode, I talked about how we picked up a $40,000 equity position, which we got multiple offers on, by the way, the first day. So it looks like it's maybe a little bit better than 40K, but that's okay. $40,000 equity position on a deal that we bought subject to. So on that deal, the seller owed around, I don't know, $58,000 or so. Uh, we gave him $30,000 in cash to walk. So we were all in at 88 and we're selling it somewhere around the 140K range. I don't have the numbers on my desk, but that's a rough idea. So realize that we left the $58,000 mortgage in place in our seller's name and we got a deed that was encumbered by that lien. You know, the question that I'm often asked by people that know something about title is, do you have a clouded title? Well, certainly we do have a, a clouded title at that point, but you have a clouded title anytime you take a mortgage or any type of a, a loan on a property anyway. So that's not really a concern for us. So on that deal, we paid our seller $30,000 to walk. We got the deed. We took over payments on the 58 and then we just put it on online retail at what it is. So we did super well on that deal. It's a good deal and a, a deal that I would wish on everyone. The second deal that we did here recently, I closed on this one last week. So we bought a house for, I believe, 115 and 90,000 was owed. So 90,000 was in first position on a loan. That was a mortgage. And we gave the seller 15,000 to walk. Now we're in at 105 and our exit's going to be 200K with about a 25K rehab on this deal. Okay. So again, guys, the seller leaves the loan in place. They give us a deed. We're taking a deed subject to that loan, okay, that lien. And we're going to get into specifics on this here in just a second. What guys, what I want you to understand is that this is the easiest and fastest way to buy houses with little or no money. Because whenever I started, I really didn't have anything. You know, it's like my wife and I, we were just starting you know, we bought our first house that we were living in and I was trying to buy investment property. But I mean, hell, I was like 23 years old. I didn't have a job 
and like my credit was extended with this first house. And so I frankly, I went to the bank and said, hey, you know, guys, I have this house. I've, I've owned it for two or three months. We've made the payments and I'm going to be a big real estate investor guy now. And I'd love for you guys to give me some more money. And they looked at everything and they said, well, Brad, we would love, absolutely love to give you more money as soon as you pay this loan off. Okay. We'll give you as much as we lent you on this house without a problem. And that was not a big help for me. So realize that I had to find another way. And this is that other way. If you are tight on cash or you don't have a lot of lending ability or whatever, you find a deal and you're able to negotiate a subject to transaction. And that's going to be super, super valuable for you guys. Like I cannot put it in, into context how valuable this was for me. And we're still doing like roughly 60% of our transactions with some form of owner financing. So let's jump right into it. A question that I'm often asked is subject to legal. So I guess it's obvious at this point that I wouldn't be talking about it on a podcast if it wasn't legal. But if you go to a HUD-1, so a HUD-1 is the basic settlement statement that we used to use from like, I don't know, 1970s until like roughly three or four years ago. So the HUD-1 is from the Housing and Urban Development. It's a form that had to be signed by both parties, both buyer and seller, that shows basically where the money's going. So what's the purchase price? What's the sales expenses? What's owed? What's not? And all of that. So you look at line item 500 on a HUD-1. So for those of you who do not understand what a HUD-1 is, just go to Google and Google HUD-1, and that'll help you. But you go to line item 500, and it's going to show loans taken subject to. Guys, this is like on the government statement. So yes, it is legal. There's no law that says you cannot take a lien subject to, any kind of lien, all right? Now, is it a violation of the deed of trust or the mortgage? Possibly. And frankly, it's probably. In most instances, mortgages that were done since 1986 have a due on sale clause disclaimer. And so what that says is that the bank has the right, but not the obligation, to call the loan due in any circumstance where there's a transfer of title. And even when there's not a transfer of title, when anyone has a quote unquote equitable interest in the property. So let's talk about two things. Let's talk about when a lien is taken subject to and it's 100% considered valid by almost any title company. And let's talk about circumstances in which a mortgage would be declared in default based on that rule. So to talk about two circumstances in which a mortgage would not be the same as the deed. All right. So let's say John and Sally, they get married. And five years later, the marriage is not working out together, but they bought a house four years ago. So John and Sally are on the deed. John and Sally are on the mortgage. All right. So let's take a, that scenario and it goes to court. And in the divorce decree, it says that Sally gets the house. So Sally is not now on title as a 100% owner, but John and Sally are on the mortgage. So that's a scenario in which the mortgage does not necessarily add up or congrue with the deed. Let's take another example. Let's say we have Johnny Jones, and Johnny is a grandfather. So Johnny passes away, and he leaves his property to John and Jill, who are his children. So he bought a property a couple years ago. He is on the mortgage. So in this scenario, Johnny Jones is on the mortgage. The deed transfers to John and Jill. They continue to make payments but they are not legally responsible for the loan. 
All right. So that is the same exact thing as what we're doing, guys. And it's so funny because, I mean, I've had real estate attorneys tell me like, you can't do this. And then I say, well, let's say that Johnny Jones passes away and he's a grandfather and he has children and he passes it to John and Jill. Can you do that? And they say, yes. And it's amazing to me because it's the same damn thing. That is a scenario in which the deed and the mortgage are not the same. All right. So guys, if I can implore anything to you, like emphatically, the deed and the mortgage or the loan is not the same. It is not. You can have one person on a mortgage and one person on the deed, a separate person. It does not have to be the same. Switching gears, in what situations do we have a violation of the deed of trust or the mortgage? So like I just said, in most cases, a loan that is done past 1986 has a due on sale clause disclaimer that says if there's any equitable shift in the property, then the ability for the mortgage or to call the loan is in place. So they have the right, but not the obligation to call the loan, and they can do that at their sole discretion. So first of all, I've seen this happen one time on a deal that was really done haphazardly and was not my deal. So for the people that I know that have done this above board and really, really carefully, I've never seen a loan call. I've never seen a sub two loan call. In what situation would a loan be called with a normal note and deed of trust or mortgage? One, if it's vacant for 30 days, in many situations, the loan can be called by the mortgage company. So if you're old and rich and you go on a 60-day cruise, then the mortgage company can call your loan based on the note and mortgage or deed of trust. Does it ever happen? It doesn't. So if it's vacant for more than 30 days. If there's any kind of a purchase option done on the property, then in many cases with the note, the mortgage company has the ability to call the loan. So that's another scenario in which the mortgage can be called based on a violation of this equitable position rule that most notes have. All right. So a purchase option, any kind of a lease option or purchase option that is put on the property is a violation of the note. And number three, if the house is rented for more than 36 months, in many cases, the note can be called, which is an amazing position because the mortgage company is getting their money and they have no situation in which they would want to call the loan, which brings me back to, you know, number one, I've never seen it done. We have to keep these loans current. So those are three different situations in which a mortgage company could call the loan, but it is 100% agreed upon as reasonable for those things to happen. Somebody can leave their house for more than 30 days. Somebody can rent their house for more than three years. And someone can have a purchase option on the house as a lease purchase or you know lease option or whatever. And it does not necessarily mean that the loan is going to be called. So let's jump into a few questions that I get on subject two in many situations. All right. So is subject two legal? And that's a reasonable question. So if you look at the line item of number 500 on the HUD-1, the HUD-1 is the main settlement statement that the United States has used in the past, I don't know, 50 years. Then uh, line 500 says loans taken subject two, which I think I just went over. And that is the obvious reason on why this would not be illegal. It is a violation of the note and deed of trust or note and mortgage. So the, the mortgage company has the right to call the loan due if they choose, but this is not a criminal issue. Of course, I'm not an attorney or accountant, even though my undergrad is accounting, but uh, be that as it may, talk to your accountants or attorneys to see how that affects you. So number two, how does it affect my seller? And this is a big thing because we have to know how to pitch it. So from a credit score perspective, if this seller is behind on payments, 
and we're taking over payments on the loan and we're catching her up at closing or him up at closing, then their credit score issue is going to be in a much, much better position based on what we're doing with subject two than if we just paid the loan off. So credit score, if someone is behind, is absolutely going to be improved based on the ability for us to go ahead and take over the payments and make the payments on time. So second issue is ability to borrow. How does a subject to transaction where we take over payments on a loan affect our seller's ability to borrow? Couple things here. So the main two issues with most mortgage financing, and this is beginning to change again, but I mean, traditionally the past 10 years has been credit score and debt to income. The lender looks at your credit score. So if you have the ability to pay your bills, do you? So that's a credit score and debt to income ratio. If you have a certain amount of income versus your debt, what's that ratio? And if that is a reasonable position, then you can get financing. Whenever we take over payments on a loan, that mortgage is going to remain on our seller's credit report until it's paid off. So I've seen it done a few different ways. So I've seen mortgage underwriters, whenever our seller goes to buy another property, I have seen them go and uh, show the paperwork and the underwriter understand it and say, you know, we're not going to count, but 25% of this payment towards your debt to income ratio. I've seen the exact opposite. I've seen mortgage underwriters say, look, we're going to you know, declare the entire amount of that payment against your debt to income ratio. And that's just what it is. You know, We can't really control that. And the, the one thing about finance is it will change over time. So just wait around a few minutes. It's, it's kind of like middle Tennessee weather. Like if you don't like it, just hang out for like 30 minutes and it'll change. Finance is the same way, especially mortgage lending. So if we have that in place, then realize that your seller's ability to borrow may be impacted by our subject to transaction, and we want to disclose that in every single way that we can. Number three, how do we find a title company that will do these deals? This is kind of a tricky one. So you will have a majority of title companies, they really just want to be vanilla folder transaction companies. So if there's a a mortgage on a property or somebody's paying cash, then they'll they'll do those deals all day. If there's a deal where things are a little bit different in any circumstance, then they're just they just kind of shy away. And it's amazing to me because I've talked to real estate attorneys, like I've said, that just don't understand title, they don't understand assignments or anything. So how do you find a title company, guys? What I recommend is you get a referral from someone that's already doing these deals. And the easiest way to do that is to go to a local RIA, Real Estate Investor Association in your area, and see who's going where and who's doing deals and who's doing these deals. Say, hey, where do you close? Worst case scenario, you get a title company to write a title policy with an exemption of this mortgage, and then you close it in-house. So you can do a kitchen table closing, and there's certain paperwork that you'll want to do for that which is a little bit outside of the scope of this podcast, but we'll get into that on a later date. But you can absolutely find a title company to do these deals. And which kind of brings me to question number four. So can you get title insurance on these transactions? Absolutely. Do I? Most of the time I don't. So there's title insurance already written on the mortgage. So we're taking over payments and we have a power of attorney over that mortgage. Why would we go in and pay double title insurance? If that makes you feel more comfortable sleeping at night, then I recommend you do it. For me personally, unless I have a lender in position, then I do not get title insurance on these deals unless somebody has just like a gob of judgments, it looks like, and then I might. But in many, many situations, I will leave the mortgage in place and let that title issue remain there for our deal. Number five, what do I say to our sellers? 
And this is really where, where like the rubber meets the road. So if you have a clear understanding on what we're doing and a seller is behind on payments, it is absolutely to their benefit that we take a loan subject to. Something that was kind of a, a fun deal. I did a deal, I guess about a year and a half ago, where I actually went to the negotiation myself. We were running really, really strong and, you know, just too many deals. And so I went to go buy this one myself. And I stayed with them for about an hour and probably an hour and a half because it was an older lady and she just, it took her that much time to assimilate content. So, you know, like we just couldn't have a really clear conversation and her son was there too also. So it just took a little bit longer, but we actually bought her property subject to cheaper than she had a cash offer. So just to put that in perspective, we took over payments on her loan and gave her like 10 grand walk away cheaper as an overall price than what someone else was offering cash. And what I did with that was I, I just kind of made that cash offer look not real. And frankly, I didn't think it was real in the first place because if the cash offer was real and it was higher than what I could pay, I'd have told her to go with it because I didn't need the house. And that comes back to frame. But going into what do I say, you know, what we're going to tell people is we're going to negotiate price first and, and then we're going to switch to terms. So we negotiate price. We never give a price. We ask them their questions. We get the price down and then we say, well, we can do that if we can do it another way. Here's how it's going to go. And then we have to really, really understand subject to far more than they do. And then also have someone that they can talk to at the title company to make them feel more comfortable if that's the case. So have those people in place. The last thing that I want to talk about is under what liens can we put these subject to deals in place? So we can have a mortgage, which we've talked about. We can have a judgment. My favorite guys are IRS liens. So IRS liens in almost every state in the country, in the United States, have 10-year lives against title. So if we find a house with an IRS lien, especially in first position, and we're able to wait that lien out and it pops off of title at a certain point, then we're going to get like a really great, amazing deal. And I want you guys to understand that. If there's something owed on the house, we can take it subject to. The one caveat I will say is I'm a little bit hesitant to do this with local banks because they're a little bit less understanding because they're not packaging loans together and selling them to Wall Street and all of that. So we have to be a little bit more understanding on their perspective when it comes to taking a loan subject to as far as that goes. But overall, guys, this is the best single way to buy property, to buy equity, to buy cash flow and put a deal together if we know how to understand it how to pitch it, how to put the deal together, then we're going to be in a much, much better position. I heard this actually from my jujitsu coach, who was a really, really great jujitsu guy. And he said that necessity is the mother of innovation. So now he was saying that in Rio de Janeiro, that there was just a need because the streets were so rough for people to understand how to fight. And so that's kind of like how this Brazilian jujitsu came up was from this necessity. And from that, I understood that whenever I had no money and I had to buy houses. And this was the easiest way to get me there. And everybody got paid and all the banks you know, never had any kind of a loss or whatever. And everybody really lucked out. Guys, if I can implore anything to you, you have to learn how to buy subject to. If you're a landlord and you don't have any interest in flipping, cool, buy subject to. If you're a flipper, you absolutely have to learn how to buy subject to. It will absolutely change the way you do your business and it will double, if not 3x, your ability to purchase. I mean, if you understand owner financing, which we'll go into wraps and, and all of that on a different segment, 
then you'll be able to understand how to buy subject to and sell with owner financing and create notes, which is what I do an awful lot of. And I think with the market shift is going to be the preeminent way to buy real estate in the future. Guys, if you have any questions, let me know. Add me on Facebook, Brad Smotherman, and ask me a question if you like. I'm happy to meet you guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and I will talk to you next time. Happy investing. Happy investing.